The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have our special guest, Paul David Walker. Paul is the founder and CEO of Genius Stone Partners, and he's the author of Unleashing Genius, Leading Yourself, Teams, and Corporations. Paul, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's so great to have you here today. Now, where are you today? I'm in uh, Long Beach, California. Little... Uh-huh. <laughs> is We're that where in, you uh, live? I live there, yes. I'm, yeah? Uh, on the penis- Oh, what's called the peninsula. It's a little peninsula that juts out into the Pacific, so we got water all around us. So. Oh, nice. Very, very nice. So I imagine that it, with your life you travel a lot, huh? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, not as much as I used to. I used to travel all around the world you yeah. know, working with Fortune 500s. Yeah. Tried to break, get my practice more focused locally, although I'll probably be going to China soon. So. Ah, well, there's a whole lot going on in China. We'll hear about that as we move through the show, yeah. So let's start kind of back at the beginning um, for you. You have um, you've had a lot of experience as a strategic business advisor to CEOs and senior leaders of corporations around the world. What got you interested in this whole worldview of being more grounded, being, as I was reading your book, I, I thought, wow, this guy is really about everything being connected. We're all connected to each other. We're connected to nature. What got you interested in this whole concept? Well, my, my father and in high school was very interested in, in physics and in science, and hmm. I was going to major in that. Until I realized math was not my strong suit, and, uh-huh. <laughs> and communication was. <laughs> but I still have, you know, great interest in in science, and of course, science is study of how the universe works, how things work. Right, right. And, and it's pretty clear, you know, from uh, not so recent discoveries in science that everything is connected. And as a leader, once you realize that everything is connected. Uh, you're connected to your people. Your organization is kind of a living uh, thing. It changes the way you lead. Because you know if you say something or do something, it's going to have repercussions throughout the organization and throughout the marketplace you're in. Mm-hmm. So that gives you uh, a reason to be more focused, more intentional right. in the way you lead. And it's always fascinated me how to, my next book is called Invent Your Future. You know, how do you mm. invent your future? How do you affect the flow of 
concept around genius. You know, I mean, genius sounds simple. Sounds like, well, of course, we all know what geniuses are. You know, they're really smart people. Very smart people. Very smart people. Um, but but you speak specifically um, about genius within each one of us. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah, what I have experienced is that everyone has a natural genius, a natural ability to access genius. So Hmm. it's not that uh, genius is sort of implanted in each of us, but each of us has an ability to access what I would call genius, and that access is being in the present moment synchronizing with the flow of cause and effect. And as you begin to synchronize who you are with the flow of cause and effect, whether you're a scientist or a business person, you begin to see things other people don't see. Hmm. Because essentially genius is seeing a change or seeing an opportunity emerge. And all opportunities emerge out of the present. They don't emerge out of the past. Mm. Past is just a memory. doesn't exist. Right. And, and the future is not predetermined. In other words, the, the future is not already there. It emerges out of the present. And it emerges out of the present within the context of the flow of cause and effect. So there's a momentum. So a genius has this ability to be completely in the present and respond, just like a basketball player in the zone who's driving to the basket. A mm. uh, basketball player is not going, should like cut right or cut left here? You know, you have milliseconds right. to decide. Right, right, right. They're responding to the actual flow of cause and effect, and as anyone gets to that point where they have their consciousness focused on the present, they're able to do that. And that, you know... When you study geniuses, is is what a genius will do. When you study Einstein, he was very yeah. focused on being in the present, very focused on imagination, uh, and and that is really what genius is. Now, well, and and so the genius being in that zone, being genius, doesn't mean it's a guarantee for always getting it right. As you mentioned, Einstein I'm thinking, well, look at the number of times he failed before he was successful. So he was following the flow, and yet with each moment, it may not have been exactly perfect. That's right. And what happens is once you see a trend or something that's going to emerge, mm-hmm. in order to describe what you see or feel, you know, you have to put it into words. You have to put it into a cognitive framework mm-hmm. so everybody else can understand it. Sure. And, and that's oftentimes where the breakdown comes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so you know... You need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you start talking about it, and, and you're using the wrong words you haven't really thought through, mm-hmm. you know, what you're going to say. Uh, that's number one. And number two, the things are in constant flux. Things are changing all the time. You know, I always say a genius uh, like us has a a framework of beliefs and assumptions that they work from. But the difference between a genius and and a normal person is that framework does not define them. Hmm. 
platform for them to discover new realities. Mm-hmm. And, and someone who operates you know, at a level of genius is always in the discovery mode and never stops and says, well, this, mm. this is... It's kind of like having that childlike wonder of possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, over the years, you and I do similar work around executive coaching and working with teams, and over the years what I have found is that um, there's often a point where teams are in struggle where they become very myopic, and the more myopic teams become or individuals become, the more um, data-driven they become. It's almost as if they give up that whole concept of possibility or magic or, you know, the wonder. What, what has been your experience with that? Yeah, when, you know, when, when a team gets fearful, they go to what they know. Mm-hmm. And what you know is always something that worked in the past. right. Right, right, right. And so once you hang on to, you know, what you know, if it worked in the past, chances are it's not going to work in the future. Mm. And chances are what you remember from what worked in the past is not the whole story. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) You only remember the good stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah, and even if it worked, you know, you don't have the whole story in your memory bank. Why did it work, you know? Right. It wasn't, it worked because it worked. It worked because at that moment, you had a moment of genius and saw, oh, this is the right thing to do. Mm. And so human nature is such that we're afraid of the unknown. Our ego wants us to win. Our ego is trying to protect Mm -hmm. us. Mm. And the only thing the ego has to work with is the ego's experience from the past. Sure. So teams will get hooked in to the past. It makes them feel secure. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the flow of cause and effect going forward. Mm-hmm. The flow of cause and effect going forward has momentum. And you need to be able to see that flow, insert yourself into that flow so that mm-hmm. your company or your life you know, hits the right target. Mm-hmm wrote an article recently about uh, your best practices from the past are dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) They are dangerous, especially now because of the massive global changes in uh, competition, uh, financial world. Uh, We're coming out of a period where American businesses had no competition globally. Now, because Europe and China had been destroyed by World War II, and so as a nation, we've developed this whole habit of operating based on we're the greatest country in the world and uh, everything we do works. So sure, it worked when we had no competition. Right. Now we have competition, and we haven't realized that yet. Yeah. For the most part. And so we're going to be repeating what we did in the past. Oh, right. Which explains why all of our infrastructure, all of our institutionalized systems are 
so fragile and they're not sustainable. They're not holding up, right? It's like the weight of of what's needed is bigger than the infrastructure to hold it up. Yeah. And you need new infrastructure, new ways of looking at it. And, and that's fearful because, again, humans hate walking into a dark room. You know, I think mm-hmm. when you were a child, if you walked into a dark room looking for the light switch, your mind right. probably didn't fill it up with ponies and pots of gold. <laughs> Why is that? Well, that's a whole story. <laughs> it would story. be just as easy to think, you know, that there's great stuff in there as there's terrible stuff in there. Why is that? Now you're asking a deeply philosophical question, but the bottom line is we're afraid of the unknown. Huh. And our ego has no way of dealing with the unknown because it has no experience with the unknown. So it naturally is going to put up you know, red flag saying, whoa, 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 dark room. Yeah. Could be dangerous, you know, and it's, yeah. it's primal. I mean, mm, that's true. Yeah. When we lived in tribes, it's, you had to be careful what cave you entered, you know, because there might be a tiger living in there. Well, drats, that's true. <laughs> so there's reason, I suppose, for us to be cautious. Um, so, you know, you talk about this concept called integrative presence. And you referred earlier to um, athletes who get into the zone and and describe integrative presence as similar to that. You have a whole philosophy around this. Can you give us just a little taste of this before we go to break? Sure. Well, integrative presence is you're integrating the reality of yourself, of the moment, with the present moment. So we all come to the present moment with uh, a set of skills. Mm-hmm. You know, going to the basketball analogy. You know, if you're if you're five foot eleven inches, you're not going to be the center, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how good you are, you can't integrate your presence with a successful. Right. Right. Operation is the center on a basketball team at that height. So integrated presence means you take who you are, what skills you have, and integrate them in the moment mm. as opposed to integrating skills you don't have in the moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like being taller than you are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I could be totally integrating myself in the moment. Uh, but if I was playing Kobe Bryant at basketball and he was having a bad day and he was totally unfocused, he'd still beat me because he's bigger uh, yeah. and stronger. And, uh, Most likely. Besides that, he's had more experience on the court. <laughs> uh, that's as well as that, yeah. <laughs> so it's not magic, but when, when you're doing something that you're qualified to do, if you will, that, and that's a whole other discussion that's an extension of who you are, what your natural gift is, what your natural genius is, then you integrate that into the flow of cause and effect, which is emerging in the moment. Mm. And as you do that, that's what I call integrative presence. It's mm. a little more sustainable than being in the zone. Ah. Okay. So I've seen my CEOs do that, you know, for a 16-hour board meeting, you know, be present right. the whole time and really right. be focused. 
and I've seen where we've got the whole team in that state of mind where everybody's integrating who they are, which mm. everybody's different, right? right? Right, With the present moment as opposed to arguing about the past or arguing about the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, it, the intention, somebody driving to the basket, is obviously to score a point, you know, score right. a basket. Right, But they're not thinking about it while they're driving to the basket. They already know that that's their intention or purpose. So integrative presence combines who you are, natural gifts, with the present moment, with your intention. Hmm. Well, this is interesting, and I want to know more about kind of really touching in on your natural genius, I think, because I think that's where it all begins. When we come back, we're going to talk more about that. All right. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and our guest today is Paul David Walker, author of Unleashing Genius, Leading Yourself, Teams, and Corporations. So, Paul, in the last segment we spoke uh, about this whole concept of your natural genius. How do you tap that? I mean, if you think about people, I'm sure you've seen this, people doing work in the world or um there are jobs where it seems like it's just not a fit for who they are, and yet they go every day and they do it. And, and they, may, they may even be good at it, but somehow it's just, there's something 
not quite right. And my yeah. guess is that's when they're not tapping into their natural genius. Exactly. How do you do that? All right. Um, so here's how I do it with my clients, and here's how I have done it you know, with myself. I think both are relevant. So with a client, I will ask them, whether it's a personal matter or a CEO of Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. I will ask them to tell me about a time when they were, everything was working for them, when mm-hmm. the world around them was chaotic, but somehow they had a clarity. Uh, if, if they played sports, I asked them to tell me a story when they were in the zone. And just tell me the story. And I have them tell me three or four different stories about peak performances, moments when they were absolutely flowing with things. Mm. And, and they will tell the story, and I will observe how they entered that state and how they left that state. Right? Mm. And, and I will give them feedback on how to get into that state. But what is that state and why is that particularly good for them? So it, it's always where some natural gift of theirs integrates with the present. Now, what I've found is people take their own genius for granted. For example, uh, when I was in high school uh, and and struggling with math, trying to uh, (laughs) succeed, (laughs) regardless of my lack of ability, I, I persuaded the smartest kid in school school nerd to be my lab partner. Oh, wow. But he loved me, right? Mm-hmm. So suddenly I'm getting A's in physics. Well, that was a hint. Right. Later on in high school, I took, you know, the aptitude test, which they did in those days. Right. And I scored in the 99th percentile on persuasion. Oh, wow. Another hint. Hmm. Geez, you're, you're better at persuading the class nerd to be your friend than you are at math. <laughs> Here's a nice knowing okay. to have that early in your life. That's good. <laughs> oh, right. oh. Well, I didn't realize it then, but I'm looking back, you know. Same sight. <laughs> and then one of my other friends, who was like an actor type, persuaded me I ought to be in a play. And I went, ah, oh, a play, that's not cool. But I said, okay, I'll try out. So just to keep him happy. So I tried out, and I got the part, you know. I wasn't even trying, you know. Wow. And, oh, geez. So I began to see that it's easy for me to communicate and to persuade. Sure. And to inspire. Hmm. It's easy. Now, what I did is I just took that for granted, like, ah, that's not, anybody can do that. It's simple. And I think when you look at your own genius, it's something that comes so easy to you you just take it for granted. Sure. Yeah. Now, two things come out of that. One is uh, you don't do it because, no, I want to challenge myself. Let's do something really hard. Mm. This is too easy, right? number one. And then number two, one of my, a lot of my CEOs have stumbled upon their genius. That's how they get to the top in the first place, right? Right. Whether it's conscious or unconscious. Right. But now they have an attitude about everybody who's not as good as them at this. It's like, well, this is simple. What's the matter with you? Mm. Can't you do this? Maybe you've got an agenda? 
So I have to sort of back my client up and have them see, you know, you're really at this particular aspect of business. You operate at a level of genius. Hmm. He says, well, it's easy. Well, yeah, it's easy for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Right? So chronicling, if you want to find your genius, chronicling times when you were in the zone, when everything worked for you and you had a peak performance experience. Journal them. Write these experiences down for yourself. Mm. You don't have me to cut you, right? Write them down. And then notice what it is you did mm-hmm. that worked so effortlessly towards success. That'll be a hint about what your genius is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, as you say that, it makes me think about um, how often I have heard CEOs say, well, of course we want to do X, so just do it. Because in their mind, when they see X, it's already a done deal, and their whole team is looking at them saying, what? You know, it is going to take us so long, so much effort, so much resource, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This right. is a huge step, et cetera, et cetera. And the CEO is, is already on to the next project. You know, it's like, no, you just do it. How do you reconcile that? How do you get people with that genius who feel like it's so easy and their teams to be on the same page? Okay. So the first thing I do is explain to the CEO is that, and they know this already, that you can't create something you cannot conceive. Right, right. Now, if they're operating from a level of genius, they can conceive it. Oh, this is the window of opportunity. Let's just jump in. Right, right. So they can see it. So, so then I say, okay, now, since you can't do all the work, can the people on your team conceive this opportunity? Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself. Because if they can't conceive it, there's no way they're going to do the right things right. to get there because they can't, they can't see where they're going. So you need to be spending time persuading, communicating to your team until you get that they can see the same opportunity that you see. You don't take that time, you're going to have false starts. You're going to have have problems Mm -hmm. because people can't see where they're going. (laughs) They don't know. can't see. They're walking into a dark room. (laughs) Walking into a dark room, they're going to be afraid, all of that. Right. So your job as a CEO is, yes, to see the opportunity or, or see it through your team members. Mm-hmm. You may be a genius at, like I have one CEO that I, who has to go unnamed, but he's a genius at marketing, mm. and he got to be CEO. Well, he is horrible at leading people. Oh, boy. Because he expects, oh, this is simple, just do it. Yep. Well, yeah. you're, you're a marketing genius. Hello. Right. Yes. But operationally, he's always had huge corporations around him who would execute his genius. Right. Now he's the CEO of a startup. Oh. He doesn't have uh. minions of people to execute his genius anymore. Right. But he's got to lead that operational part. So uh, you've got to build commitment in the players on your team. Or if you're a person, I'm writing an article on this now, if you're a person, 
you need to have a team of people who get what it is your genius is, right? your special gift, so that they can promote you. Right, right. I recommend starting with three people that you tell your story to until they get it. And eventually, if you really want to always have a job, <laughs> get 100 people to understand <laughs> right? And great leaders have literally thousands, if not millions, of people who understand their genius. Well, that that speaks to the art of storytelling also, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing worse than uh, a declarative statement. I am a genius at this. Follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Who the hell do you think you are? Well, and there are plenty of leaders who do that, Mm -hmm. you know, at, at all levels. Yeah. Well, when you do that, you know, you, you create automatic resistance, right? Mm, sure. You know, our language is based on polarity, you know, black, white, beginning, end, right, wrong. It's based on duality. Mm. And, of course, there's no other way to structure a language that I can think of. But it immediately, you know, if you say this is right, somebody's going to see the opposite and say, well, this is wrong. So it's just part of our language. It's based on polarities, on opposites. So, you know, it's like if things are going well, you go, oh, it's too good to last. (laughs) You know, it's just part of the language. Hmm. So as a leader, a story which goes back to ancient times when all wisdom before the written word was passed on to storytelling from elders. Right. And the moment that you go into a story context, everybody listens. Mm. They'll just start listening. Because now, somewhere deep in their psyche, this is an important moment. The story is about to be. And anyone who's a successful communicator realizes the best comedians are great storytellers, right? That's true. Yeah. And so if you're a leader and you're trying to make a point about uh, a market or uh, even about yourself, it's a lot more effective just to tell a story. You know, mm. this is the situation I ran into and this is what I did and here's the result, you know, the three portions of the story. Well, and so if you are maybe not the leader of the organization, but you want to be an influencer of that leader, then perhaps storytelling would be a good skill to develop. Very, very good skill to develop. Mm-hmm. It, it is the key skill in communicating, particularly communicating, you know, abstracts. Mm-hmm. Future is always abstract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't measure the opportunity. You can only measure the results after you've accessed the opportunity. Oh, good point. Good point. So, a, a good story. Yeah, I'm working with a client right now. Is you've got three minutes at the most to communicate that opportunity to, let's say, investors. Probably more like a minute. Hmm. So, if you don't have the story that draws them into that opportunity, if that's not really well-crafted, but also seems natural, like it's coming spontaneously off the tip of your tongue. It can't be a 
an automatic story. Right? Mm. You've got to be so centered and grounded in the opportunity that no matter which way the conversation goes, your story, your dialogue reflects that opportunity. Right. Right, right. So part of it is this deep grounding whatever it is you see for the future. You have to communicate it in compelling ways so that people will follow you. It's not enough to know the answer. Mm. I mean, poets or philosophers know the answer, right? but they're not trying to turn it into economic reality. Sure. Mm. Right? Pundits, you know, all these people can say some very smart things. That's great, well, but how do you operationalize it? Well, you've got to get people to follow you. In order to do that, having the right story, the right compelling picture of the opportunity builds commitment. And you have to continually check in to see if people are committed to correct picture of the future. You can't just say it once. I know I interviewed, or I didn't interview, but our company interviewed Jack Welsh when he was uh, in his heyday. And uh, one of the things he said is... Uh, Sometimes after I give a speech, and I probably give one or two a day, various parts of my company, you know, I go in the bathroom and throw up. <laughs> said, well, why oh, Jack says this. Yeah, right. You know Jack. <laughs> and we said, well, why is that? He said, because I'm repeating myself. I say the same three things in every meeting, and sometimes I just get sick of myself. <laughs> but I know if I don't repeat these key things, mm. people will forget. Hmm. And I have to keep reminding people that this is where we're going and where I want you to go. So and research bears out that 85% of people can only hold a mildly complex cognitive framework in their head for two weeks. And within that 85%, there's a gradient from zero to two weeks, you know, two weeks being the highest. And then 10% of people can hold a mildly cognitive framework for an extended period of time, and then only the top 5% can do what if with that framework in their head. So if you're leading a company, you better, you better be good at repeating yourself <laughs> in interesting ways. <laughs> that draw people in, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about this concept you have about um, engagement versus attachment. Oh, great. Yeah. We'll be right back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and our conversation today is with Paul David Walker, the author of Unleashing Genius, Leading Yourself, Teams, and Corporations. So, Paul, you've talked about the concept of integrated presence, and drilling deeper into that, you describe the whole concept of engagement and attachment. Engagement meaning connection, attachment to concept, Talk about that. What is this? Yeah. Uh, well, engagement is obviously core for a successful leader or person. You have to be engaged in the present moment, what's actually happening. And the more engaged you are, the more likely you are to, if it's in sports, to score points, or in business, uh, uh make profits or even if you're, um, you know, flirting with somebody from the opposite sex and you want to get them engaged, you've got to be present, right? You can't be somewhere else. <laughs> you have to be there. Well, when you combine being completely engaged with also being attached to the outcome, it creates a problem. Right? If you can imagine two tennis players at Wimbledon one being uh, having won many times mm-hmm. and is completely engaged in the match, but there's not a lot of pressure for him or her to win because they won before. Whereas the competitor has never won Wimbledon. It's all over the press. Mm. Got to win Wimbledon. Can't win Wimbledon. Something's wrong with this person. Right? They are going to be very attached to winning more attached Mm. than the person who's won many times. Now, chances are the person who's going to win is the one who's won many times. But most people would say, no, no, it's the person who wants to win more who's going to win. Well, that's not really true because the more attached you are to a certain outcome, it creates stress, particularly when you're not succeeding. Mm. 
that attachment interferes with your engagement. It's like the service coming at you and you're thinking, oh, God, i got to return this. Mm-hmm. From the moment you think, oh, God, I've got to return this, the ball goes by you. Right. You can't be thinking. You have to be totally engaged. Hit a ball at, what is it, hundreds of miles an hour. You have to be totally present and engaged. So if I'm thinking, if the ball's coming toward me, if I'm thinking I'm wanting to return this, I'm already, I've already stepped out of the present into the future. Exactly. Oh. And the, you know, you can't possibly hit that ball. Right. I mean, in baseball, the ball's coming at, what, 95 miles an hour. Right. You, you can't be going over the pitcher statistics. <laughs> you right. gotta be right there. You know? Round ball, round bat. That's even tougher than tennis, right? <laughs> right. And so the common fallacy is that people who want it the most always win. Mm-hmm. And what high levels of engagement and attachment produce is stress. Because there's a war between actually being present, engaged, and being uh, stressed or winning or dealing with what's going on in your head. Now, if you're neither engaged or attached, that's like being a hippie, a slug, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing's happening. Uh, but most people, I would say, have a high level of attachment to some outcome, the example I use in the book is like somebody who wants to get married but hates to date. (laughs) (laughs) So they're highly... I don't want to have to do what it takes to get there. (laughs) Right. I don't want to get engaged. I just want to be married and it's everything to me. Right? (laughs) Or if you want to be a great CEO or have your company go from good to great, Mm. wishing it is not enough. Yeah. So I want to go back to something I heard you say a minute ago. If there's high engagement and high attachment, that's stress. So high engagement cannot alleviate the high attachment. Well, it can. But if it doesn't, that's when you're going to have stress. And that's where your engagement is going to go down. So the more attached you are in your mind to a specific outcome... Mm-hmm. It takes your consciousness away from being engaged in the moment, mm. and so as 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 you want something, and you, and you're having your consciousness on that, you're attached to that wanting. The ball goes by you, and then you go, ah, start beating yourself up. That's where the stress comes from. If you really want it, and you detach in terms of engagement. Right. And you lose. You know, it occurs to me that this this sounds simple, but it must not be easy. No, it's not easy to do. <laughs> right. Because you do need some attachment. Right. You know, you say, okay, I'm playing a tennis match. I'm wanting to win here at Wimbledon. and I want to win the Wimbledon championship. Mm-hmm. You have to have some. That's why you're there. That's your intention. Mm. I mean, so you can't have it. But how high is it? You know, if 
all the way up on the 100% scale, then it's going to interfere with your engagement. If it's mm-hmm. down at, you know, 5 10%, okay, you know. Of course, I'm playing tennis. I'm a tennis player. i got to win Wimbledon. Okay, so that's in this. You've done your training. You've done your homework. Now forget about it. Just be engaged. Yeah. Watch the ball coming at you. So the nuances matter. The nuance of having the intention and not being attached to it, having the intention and being willing to simply be in the moment, every moment, mm-hmm. and trust that that will advance you to achieving your attention. Yeah, because it's the only thing that does. The only thing that advances you is your ability to respond to the moment. Mm-hmm. Nothing else advances you forward. Everything else is a theory. Now, theories don't. Theories provide guidance, mm-hmm. but they don't advance you forward. The only thing that advances you forward is what you do, your actions. And it's the same in tennis and in corporation. The results and the profits come from what you do, how you're engaged with the marketplace, how you're engaged with the people who follow you. That's where the results come from. Mm. Now, the strategic plan that you may be attached to gives guidance, creates the context, just like, okay, I'm playing Wimbledon Championship, of course, purposes to win, you know. But if you're obsessed with it, like, if I don't win, oh, my God, or mm-hmm. everybody expect, you know, mm-hmm. thoughts take you away from the present. They provide guidance. They provide a blueprint. But they do not create the outcome. What you do actually creates the outcome. Mm. And any great leader will say that, you know, a great general will say that the battle plan never turns out the way you planned it. <laughs> and I had a friend who was an architect who stopped being an architect because the building never looked like the blueprint <laughs> because he wasn't engaged day to day making sure the contractors built it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, even the blueprint can be distorted. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a story about okay. an experience you've had with um, perhaps clients or something in your life yeah. where where this has really been powerful. Yeah, okay. So I, I have a, a client uh, in the aerospace business and... Um, most of their competitors during the depth of the recession lost about 50% of their sales. Mm. My client's sales went down 10%. Why? Well, they understood their essential value proposition, which was engineered services. They understand their their point of competition. You know, they couldn't compete with China on long-run productions and that kind of thing. But they could compete on engineering and creativity. So knowing that that was their strategic advantage, we taught all customer-facing people to tell a very short story, we're talking a 30-second story, at least once a week to every customer they interacted with about how our engineered 
solutions, our creativity and our commitment to you is going to save you money and help you get through your version of the recession. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always the same story. It actually taught them to just casually throw it in. Mm-hmm. Remember, we can send an engineer out there to help you with this. And mm-hmm. don't forget, we will help you find a solution to your problem. That's what we're here for. And so continuously, of course, they had to get to the point where they believed that was true, which we got them to. Seeding the interactions with their customers, with their genius, their business genius, their corporate genius. When their customer was in a meeting somewhere about which vendors they needed to cut out, they were the last on the list. Oh, no, we don't want to. These guys help us solve our problems. The other companies weren't mentioning that. They were just arguing about price, wanting more orders. Mm. Whereas our people were completely engaged with our customers, and we made that a priority. Must be completely engaged, listening. And as you hear their issues, remember, we can help them to remind them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that client's doing really well now. Of course, you know, things are picking up a little bit. Right. But it's that complete engagement and then understanding the genius of their business, really getting it and communicating that in a story form kept them, you know, going, going, and going where, where the others were in deep trouble. Well, no, and what you describe is uh, interesting because oftentimes people who are working at the level you're describing are not empowered to make decisions. They're oftentimes, um, you know, feeling like they're just the go-between. They're just trying to make things happen here. And what you're saying is you gave them a sense of ownership, you help them to inspire confidence with the client or with the potential customer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and inspiring confidence, you know, if you're oftentimes when you're teaching what you want, you learn it better yourself. So they're, they're also teaching themselves to become more confident in their own company. That's right. And completely engaged because they treat their customers and their vendors as part of the team. Right. Completely engaged with both ends. We're all in this together. We're in the middle of a recession. What can we do to maximize or create a win-win situation for all of us, customers, your vendors? That's pretty deep engagement. Hmm. And you can feel that. How tough was it to teach them this? Um, well, it took a, a while. First of all, we had to determine what the value proposition really was as opposed to what they thought it was. Right. And what we find is that if we call your core customers and ask them what are the top three things, that which we do with all our clients, what are the top three reasons you work with them, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that 80% of what they say is not on your website <laughs> mm-hmm. or in the minds of your people. You have some other idea about what your value right. is. Right. And so the first thing is to really understand what your 
what your business genius is, what your value proposition is, and then find informal, simple ways to engage people in conversations about that without appearing to sell. And then suddenly you're engaged with your customers. They're they're like your friends, you know. They're not going to dump you. Mm. <laughs> well, and that that is a good thing. Everybody could use more of that, right? That's right. That's right. Well, Paul, we're coming to the end of our show already, and uh, I know that this will have piqued people's curiosity a lot about what you do and how to unleash their own genius. So tell them how they can reach you, what, how they can learn more about this. Okay, so one, they can send an email to me, which is Paul David Walker at GeniusStone.com. Two, they could go to my website, which is www.GeniusStone.com. And three, if they want to read a lot more of my writings, they can go to my Facebook page, which is uh, P. David Walker, www.facebook.com slash P. David Walker. And there are all my articles, some of which I refer to in the conversation. Great, great. Well, and I know you have a new book um, that you're working on right now that's yeah, going new book to be out now. in the spring. Yeah, it's called Invent Your Future. And once you understand your genius or the genius of your company, this is a time-tested way to turn that genius into economic reality. Fantastic. Paul David Walker, the book is Unleashing Genius, Leading Yourself, Teams, and Corporations. Thanks for being with us today, Paul. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you. It was great to have you here. And remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 